Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. On today's show, we talk with Kevin Werner, Head of Startup Acceleration at Xnode in Shanghai. Kevin talks to us about the three business units of Xnode, corporate innovation training, startup acceleration, and co-working. We talk about the difference between foreign and local Chinese startups and how impressed Kevin is with the ability of Chinese startups to adapt to market feedback so quickly, as well as how foreign startups can accelerate their growth to keep pace with the speed of China. We also talk about whether there is an opportunity to create space for startup tourism in China, where startups can go to China not to enter the market per se, but to develop a fast growth engine behind their product. Lastly, we talk all about AI in China, about how the country is racing out in front due to the sheer amount and access to data they have to work with, as well as how startups can take advantage of the AI ecosystem in China to create leverage. Enjoy. I think for B2C startups, what mobile first or mobile only does is it just makes it super difficult, honestly, to create something for the Chinese users. Because as you said, what we would do in, in Western parts is we would just pretend we already have it and then see whether we can sell it. That's going on with mobile first in China is it's about using the existing mobile channels to do your sales and marketing. What you end up doing is you end up having many, many talks with people who are from the right industry, who are probably Chinese, who have been around for 10 years and who, who can help you to navigate this mobile-only environment. Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half the world's under 30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market no globally-minded brand should ignore, but entering markets like China is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. All right, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me here, Todd. You have a background a little bit similar to mine in that you work in the venture capital and the startup space in in China, correct? That's correct, yeah. yeah. So before we get into what you're doing today and dive into the landscape and the current VC and startup landscape in China, tell us a little bit about how you ended up being involved in China in the first place. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, actually, it's quite funny. It all started uh, in kindergarten. So my best friend was Chinese. So that's probably the first time I got in touch with the Chinese culture, you know, and I got really fascinated about it. So I liked it. And that's why a couple of times then after that, I traveled to China, but always just, you know, a couple of weeks. I was basically dipping my toe into the water. Um, until then, I uh, studied in China at Tongji University in uh, Shanghai. Um, and that's when I really, um, you know, in Germany we say uh, I licked the blood. So I really got appetite uh, for China and I decided for myself I need, to, I need to build something there. You know, whether it's a career, a business, I got to experience that market. Not sure whether I will stay forever, but right now it's too freaking exciting to not be there, you know. And so after that, after my studies, I came back to Germany. Actually, I worked in uh, management consulting for some time before I started an accelerator in Berlin. 
Um, and that's when I got more into this whole startup, acceleration, venture capital business. Um, and then ultimately decided to, you know, either I do it now or I'm not going to do it anymore. As I grow older, I decided to go over to China, got in touch with the founder of Xnote, Wei, Wei Zhou. And pretty quickly, we were um, aligned on what my mission could be for Xnote. Uh, so currently, what I'm doing here is I'm building the startup acceleration practice of Xnote. Um, Xnote right now does three things. One thing is space, so similar to WeWork's business model. Second thing is corporate innovation, you know, so helping corporates become more innovative through uh, structured programs. Uh, so, for example, Intel, uh, Michelin, BMW are clients. And the third one is precisely what I'm concerned about, which is startup acceleration with a focus on cross-border acceleration, you know, so helping mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. early stage startups from outside of China get into China through a two-month program. Can I ask you, and I know it's not your focus, but can I ask you just a little bit more about how you work with corporates as an accelerator in China? Of course. Um, so basically what we do is we offer two, uh, I mean, we, we do many, many different things, but if we had to group it, I would say we do two things. First one we call inside out and the second one we call outside in. And then maybe the third one would be miscellaneous, anything that's, that can't be grouped under those uh, two um, names. Um, so when we work inside out with a, co a corporate, and these corporates usually they are multinational companies and we work with their uh, Shanghai or with their China offices, right? Um, so what we do if we work um, inside out with them is we hunt, quintessentially we hunt for entrepreneurial talent within these corporates. So we would do workshops, uh, we would analyze behavior of the employees, we would even do psychological tests and find out who in this company needs to be empowered to be the next intrapreneur within that company. And then we give them all the tools. We have, you know, small competitions where then multiple people are selected within this corporate. Uh, they build awesome things. Uh, and management ultimately selects one of those things, one of those startups and says, okay, let's go ahead with this one. <clears throat> Sorry. So that's inside out. Um, then we have outside in, which is very classical one. So um, we take the corporate, we ask them, Hey guys, what are you, what problems do you face? Where do you, uh, where would you like to get uh, better or become a little bit more innovative? And then we match them with the right startups. Could be international startups, but uh, often are also Chinese startups who will provide uh, right solutions for them. And after that, it's basically freestyle, you know, whether they acquire them, whether they integrate them, whether they just buy their products and services um, is uh, different case by case. And then thirdly, you know, anything else, like for example, for BMW, what we did, we built an accelerator for them. So we built their own accelerator um, and there's a multitude of other projects, you know, that probably can't be grouped into um, inside out or outside in. 
Tell us a little bit about the acceleration program. You said it's a two-month program. You're helping startups, foreign startups, be successful in China. Tell us a little bit about what you do as far as like what the program does. And also tell us a little bit about how you find and attract applicants or startups to the program. Currently, what I would say the the thing is that we really do differently is we work a lot with governments. So we work with the Singaporean government, with the Koreans, Japanese, Italian. Uh, right now I'm in Germany and I had a couple of meetings in the Ministry of Economics here in Berlin. Um, so that's, first of all, how we get many startups because these governments, they trust us and they send their startups over uh, to participate in our program in Shanghai. Um, but that's also, um, that's also something we like to do because we have then a very homogeneous uh, group of startups and founders from the same country. And so culturally, they are very similar to each other. And it makes handling the startups a bit easier. It also makes uh, helping those startups a bit easier. Um, and at the same time, we can leverage our networks that we have in those countries. So, for example, in Germany, you know, or in Singapore, where we opened an office uh, half a year ago in order to also help these startups uh, that we bring over to China. Now, what do we do? It's not very spectacular. It's very similar to what many other accelerators will do. We lay a foundation by providing knowledge to these startups. So we will do workshops, we will invite experts who talk about different topics um, to um, you know, provide the basic knowledge for these startups. And then in the next step, step number two, we connect these startups with potential investors, potential customers, suppliers, partners, etc. Uh, with the ultimate goal, to really create tangible business impact because, and I mean, you, you have been living in China for a long time, so you know that too. Uh, many of the accelerators out there are, let's say, you have many programs that where you will participate and those are mostly also the short programs, you know, where you will participate for a couple of weeks. And then after that, you leave basically with nothing, right? You don't, mm -hmm. you didn't mm -hmm. sign any customer contracts. You have no, uh, proof that it's that it will be working right. we have no traction nothing mm -hmm. um, and for us really the goal for each startup that we accelerate and that's how we um, that's how we also select those startups is do we think that at the end of this program they can sign something of value and so they leave either they leave China and they know okay we're coming back in two weeks and then uh, those are the next step or they stay in China and uh, hopefully scale are you investing in them? That was my big uh, mission that I started with uh, at Exnode, actually. So um, we, all the time, we didn't have the capabilities to invest in startups. Mm -hmm. But, and that's, uh, that's a big thing for 2020, we are in the process of finalizing, finalizing that and getting those capabilities. So right. finally being able to invest in startups hasn't been the case all the time, but we have seen many startups graduate and we were like, yeah, sad that we didn't, we weren't able to participate in the upside. So far for us, startup acceleration has more or less been a break-even game, right? We didn't really make money with it. Uh, we were experimenting with it. We accelerated well beyond like 40 startups last year. Um, but 
the revenue always came from the corporate innovation practice at Exnot. And the only way we can change that and we, we can also make startup acceleration fun for us, not only for the startups, um, even more for the startups is if we also uh, participate with equity. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between Chinese startups and Western startups and the way they approach building their business? So for me, that is really that Chinese startup, the Chinese startups, they do practice this lean startup methodology in a super practical way. They seem to be responding to market feedback super fast. So when I came over from uh, Berlin and I worked with a couple of uh, early stage startups in Berlin, kind of brought this um, this mindset, this German startup mindset over to China. The first months I was super shocked, you know, um, like everybody, like all those startups were acting in a super fast and practical way. They were taking feedback from the market and they were immediately implementing it. Whereas in Germany, what we would do uh, or what we would observe with startups is they get some feedback from the market. Then they first, you know, they first take a couple of days to think about it. Hey, so how does that, like, what are the consequences of this? Is this really right? Then they would try to validate it. You know, it would take another couple of weeks. Then they would still not be sure. Should we pull the trigger? What are the next steps? So basically losing a lot of time also, like also has its upsides, right? Because you're more cautious, you don't make as many mistakes. But then again, like if you take, if it would take, for example, in Germany, six months to get a product that like that is halfway decent on the market. In China, they probably would have tried already 12 times to get it on the market in those six months. And by the time the 12th iteration hits the market, it's already much better than the one uh, the German counterpart would put on the market after six months. So that for me is the biggest uh, difference and probably also was the thing that shocked me the most. And you, you see that not only with a small, on, on a small scale, like uh, like I just told you about, uh, you know, with Xnode and with my uh, accelerator in Germany, but also uh, with big startups like uh, WeChat, you know, so what they did uh, for their WeChat moments is they, um, they created more than 30 WeChat moment versions um, had a team of a couple of people working on that for a couple of months, created all these versions and really iterated super fast. And that's, that's I think, one of the most important things and one that really distinguishes uh, the Chinese. Let's talk about the speed of China. Um, and just, I'm interested to know from your perspective, just even in the last couple of years, how are those Western companies able to adapt and get up to speed. It'd be like, I just imagine that they're sitting on the side of the Autobahn going, I can't even get out into traffic. Things are going so fast. Like how, how do they, how do they figure out how to get going that fast once they get to China? Cause the speed is just totally a different level. I think that's a lot about cultural exchange, right? Um, I think we can, uh, you know, you can keep preaching to, to Western startups that they need to be faster or they need to be more pragmatic or they need to be more innovative. But uh, as a matter of fact, that, that will change nothing. Uh, so what I'm a big proponent of is to have more Western startups, but also institutions and governments and companies and corporates learn from China 
um, and have you know have more bridges between China and the rest of the world. I feel like there's still when I when I do some of my trips, you know, I travel to different countries and talk with people, try to uh, sign them up, uh, build corporations and bridges. I still see so many people who are totally confused about China and about how the Chinese startup ecosystem works. If Western startups would spend a little bit more time researching the market, talking to people who are living here, and it's sometimes as easy as, you know, because I know it can be difficult to get in touch with someone from China, right? And like you, you might want to text some mm. Chinese person and you don't get a reply because yeah. they don't speak your language. Yeah. But it's sometimes it's as easy as, you know, looking for people like you and me on LinkedIn and just shooting mm -hmm. them a message being mm -hmm. like, Hey, you know, I'm going to be around in two weeks flying over to Shanghai or Beijing or Shenzhen. Are you up for grabbing a coffee? And these, these coffee talks, 30 minutes will give you so much more oh, insights than yep. any research, uh, any research will yep. give you from your home country. I want to talk a little bit about China being mobile first, mobile only. I'd like to know what your take is with regards to startups, because I'm just guessing that when people go to China, building a website would probably not be one of the first few things you would do. Right. Um, I think we can we 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 need to group this in into two uh, parts. The first one would be B two C. The second one B two B. Right. Okay. So I think for B two C startups, uh, mobile first or mobile only does is it just makes it super difficult, honestly, to create something for the Chinese users. Because as you said, what we would do in in Western parts is we would just pretend we already have it and then see whether we can sell it. Uh, you know, whether we get people clicking on buy or clicking on register. And then we just send them a message. Oh, hey, the product is sold out or something like that. That's going on with mobile first in China. Is It's not about really like, I mean, product what website obviously doesn't matter at all, but it's about using the existing mobile channels to do your sales and marketing. And for many startups that we have coming over from the West, for example, we worked with some Italian uh, startups in the past. We had a batch of 10 Italian startups coming over. It, they they obviously have no idea about all these uh, mobile channels, right? They probably never even used WeChat. So it's not about, we can't do this traditional approach of putting something up and testing it because we can invent something, but then we don't really know which channels to test it over. What you end up doing is you end up having many, many talks with people who are from the right industry, who are probably Chinese, who have been around for 10 years and who, who can help you to navigate this mobile only environment with your B2C product. Uh, so honestly, uh, for like for B2C, I, I just think it's super difficult. For B2B, on the other hand, what it does is it makes the 2C mindset super important. So, so something we always tell founders, um, and we work a lot with B2B founders because the success rate simply is much higher when we work with B2B founders, is we tell them, ask yourself, can this, um, can all of this solution, can it work on a, on a mobile version? Like ask, you, ask yourself that from the first day, um, and can this solution maybe be embedded in WeChat or any other existing platform? Can it be a mini program, etc.? cetera? In, in, in Western uh, countries, we always have the idea that um, all these to be 
software solutions. They are mostly used on on the on desktop, and obviously that's um, that's an out outdated view um, in China. Yeah, so so I think those are the differences. Um, for for generally, maybe uh, one thing uh, that I would like to add is for business practice generally, uh, you see that that mobile is super important, right? Like most of the communication flows through WeChat, and I just recently I had someone, uh, I had a, a startup that we worked with, um, and they were reaching out to a lot of um, potential customers via email. Mm. And so what they were stunned about is that the response rates, they suck. And the reason being is nobody really uses email. I mean, there is, I mean, in some cases, even for multinationals in uh, in China, they do use more WeChat or at least the response uh, speed of re- responses will be much faster via WeChat than uh, via emails. Are there any other mistakes that you can point to that are very obvious for you that that Western startups make when they get to China? Yeah, again, very related to what we just said uh, about B2C. Uh, There are many startups that go over and they simply translate their website uh, to Chinese, um, but they do not consider the uh, diametrically different uh, Mm. user journey um, Mm. that the Chinese uh, consumers will go. Uh, so Good many point. of them end up, you know, they end up abandoning it because they said, hey, you know, we like we translated this website to Chinese and we don't have any sales, no interest at all. Um, whereas the Chinese consumer will buy in a totally different way. Similarly to that, um, also Baidu ads, right? Many, many uh, companies will, sta- will spend dollars on uh, Baidu ads not realizing that Baidu ads is totally different f- from Google ads. No, and it's it, it's like your uh, your ad spend on Baidu ads will totally not uh, convert into the same sales as it does on Google ads. And you need right. to be a little bit more creative with your marketing um, in China. But luckily, I mean, there's, uh, by now, there's lots of marketing agencies around, many of them uh, led by foreign Foreign people who have been around for 10, 20 years in China, so it's getting it's getting a bit more it's getting a bit easier to do marketing in China. Even though, of course, you still need to hire someone, so you can't probably can't do it on your own. Um, maybe for something I observe, so that was startups mainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, something I observe uh, with SMEs, mm-hmm. a bit more mature companies, is they only send their sales or BD guide, guide to understand the market uh, without having any C-level involvement. And that's, in my opinion, also a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need some someone with a little bit more gravitas uh, mm-hmm. on the on the ground in order to get some, something off the ground uh, in China. Um, same as some of them just coming over and only looking for distributors, right? Which also doesn't go far enough, mostly. So those are some of the uh, most common mistakes I would say I see. What are the platforms that startups can take advantage of in China to help kind of grow or market or sell their products in China? One thing that um, that I have gotten very involved with um, uh, is TikTok, so the equivalent in China, Douyin. Mm. Um, something that 
I think is worth considering for for everyone because right now it gives you very high organic reach. Um, the Chinese version does seem to do that too, although the Western version I had uh, people telling me is is giving you even even a bit more of a reach boost there. Um, but uh, short form video is definitely something that's on the rise. Um, I mean, we talked about it briefly. I'm also doing uh, YouTube videos that are long form content. So that does also work well, you know. So right now what the YouTube algorithm is doing, it's favoring videos that are more than, you know, let's say more than 10, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to um, keep people on the platform for long. But then you have the other end, which is super short form videos that's also becoming more and more popular with what seems... Uh, to be on the decline is those videos that were popular in the past, like people singing for three minutes or doing something extremely funny for four minutes. I think uh, that's something that's getting less and less. So uh, if I was going to China, one thing I would ask myself is how can I leverage short form video uh, for whatever Mm. I'm doing? Is it Mm. giving short pieces of advice? Is it, you know, um, recording my day five times per day and giving mm-hmm. some insight onto how how I construct my product in China or mm-hmm. something else uh, or something funny. Uh, and for that, I would mostly uh, use uh, Douyin as a distribution and marketing platform. Is there an opportunity for startups to almost leverage China just to be able to move faster to innovate faster, create faster, fail faster. Maybe that's why they would go to China and it would just be almost like startup tourism. Yes, but I think um, many startups coming over to China and engaging in what what we call startup tourism um, are a little bit um, blinded or do not really take into consideration that really learning from this startup environment and from this ecosystem in China will take a little bit longer than expected. So me personally, I don't think that if you engage in one of these, you know, three day, five day, seven day startup uh, excursions to, mm-hmm. to, to Shanghai, to Beijing, right. Shenzhen, you will really take uh, everything that you could learn Uh, from China with you. So I do think it takes a couple of months, one, two, three, four months uh, to take all these learnings to, to first of all, talk to enough people uh, to secondly, talk to the right people, because that's something that oftentimes doesn't happen on these, uh, uh, on these uh, startup uh, journeys, right? They go, maybe they, they will be very impressed that they talk to Alibaba or Baidu or Tencent, but they really didn't meet anyone from the right department or anyone who would be able to, for example, invest if they wanted to. So secondly, talk to the right people. And then thirdly, also have enough time for the right follow-up meetings, right? Because what happens is if you do it right, all these meetings that you schedule for yourself in, let's say, Shanghai, they will generate follow-up meetings. They will say, hey, you know, um, I know this guy who would be interesting for you and I can connect you with this fund Uh, they might be interested in your technology or I could connect you to this startup. They might be able to give you uh, or to be a good benchmark for you guys. And that's when, you know, when you just book a one week trip to Shanghai, it's 
obviously not going to be enough, right? You need to schedule in some more time. But then I do think, I do agree, um, you can, even if you fail in China, there's so many learnings that you can take back from that culture and that startup ecosystem that will be beneficial for whatever you're doing uh, in your home country. AI in China is going to impact the world. So can you speak a little bit to what you might know about how AI is developing, um, how the Chinese are kind of racing out in front on the development of AI? I think uh, people were very bullish on uh, on AI from 2016 to 2018. So it was really about, you know, having AI in your startup name somewhere. And that was basically the, the golden ticket to getting funding and being a relevant, being perceived as a relevant startup. Um, but as it turns out, until, until now, 2020, um, I think use cases and startups that really have used AI uh, in, its, in its deepest sense and I, I just remain very limited. So uh, I'm a bit bearish on that right now. Um, and venture capital firms seem to be too. So uh, money flows much more cautiously from what I'm observing. Um, and people are asking two times, what is your AI really doing? Uh, is that something, um, is that some really inherently new functionality you're developing? Or is that just, you know, some some random search suggestions that are somewhere within your product. Um, so right now, what I would say is, or what has, what has come out of this is that uh, big data analysis has, has become much more important as a function of its importance for AI uh, and for AI startups. Um, big data analysis uh, startups have become more important and have become more successful in China. That's something I'm observing. And that's something um, I would say we're at Exnote also very excited about. What is your number one piece of advice for anyone doing business in China, either bringing a startup or even a corporate person that's expanding a business or coming to China for the first time? What is that one piece of advice that you would just love to be able to impart to them? Number one piece of advice is be humble. So what we printed on our t-shirts from Exnode is humble hustle uh, because we do think that the most successful founders are usually the ones that enter China and they are super humble. You know, uh, I worked with a couple of uh, founders who were very sure that they know the market, you know, they've done their research. Those are usually the ones that will fail. Whereas the ones that enter the market and they say, the only thing I know is that I know nothing. They are the ones that will be successful, that listen to the, to the mentors that they are connected with, that are um, willing to learn every day and willing to completely like turn their business model upside down 180 degrees um, and not stop learning even after a two month uh, acceleration program. Uh, those are the ones that will be successful. And then, of course, we also have like our, our quote is humble hustle because then again, right, uh, China, you also need to work hard. Like it's not enough to just be humble. <laughs> you will need to put in the work. It's called uh, 996 for a reason. And um, 
uh, there is no substitute for hard work in this world. Kevin, thanks very much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate your time, uh, especially for sticking with us. I know it's starting to get late in the evening uh, in Berlin, where I believe you are right now, correct? Right, right. Okay, so let everybody know where to be able to get in touch with you. If they want to uh, join Xnode, if they're going to Shanghai and want to hang out or grab you for that 30-minute coffee, or if they want to get involved... um, or if they want to be able to follow you on YouTube or find your content, share your content, let everybody know where and how to get a hold of you. Right, so I think uh, number one source would be LinkedIn. I'm getting more and more active on LinkedIn, even though I I, 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 I should be much more active on there. Um, so just searching for Kevin, uh, John Werner will, will yield my me like we healed my profile in the search results and the second thing is um i do have two youtube channels the one is focused very much on consulting topics and the other one is focused on um, venture capital and china which is probably more interesting to most people listening here so if you type in kevin john j-o-n in uh, youtube it will immediately pop up All right, Kevin, thanks very much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope that you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands just like yours enter China. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Negotiation. And if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team, please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co. And be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Zai Jian.